get into the word tonight just share a couple of prayer requests with you first of all uh, remember if you would Rita Wall and her family uh, in your prayers her dad went to be with the Lord uh, this past week and also Lois Keoshan's mother went to be with the Lord early this morning uh, Rita's dad's funeral is tomorrow uh, down in Florida and we don't have any details on Lois's mother yet they'll be uh, uh, I think making some preparations with the funeral home in Bay City uh, tomorrow. So remember those if you would. And then we just got word of the fact uh, this evening that uh, Rick Coleman called Melva and reported that he has an inflammation or an infection in the eyes. He's had it once before and uh, it takes some antibiotic drops in order to, be get, to get rid of it. And apparently he does not have access to those drops over in Uganda right now. So he asked Melba to make him an appointment with the eye doctor uh, so he can get in just as soon as he gets home. He's due to get home this Thursday, so uh, you can remember Rick in your prayers as well. John, would you be willing to remember those items in prayer for us here this evening? Amen. Thank you very much. So, well, this is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and once again, the Lions are not in it, so here we are this evening. We, we've said before, if the Lions ever make it to the Super Bowl, we will do something a little different. We'll have maybe a fellowship dinner after the morning service and, a, and an afternoon service then so that uh, you can take in the, the full impact of the Detroit Lions being in the Super Bowl. But uh, I thought we'd do a little quiz here to get underway tonight, a little Super Bowl quiz to start with, and uh, feel free to call out the answers if you, you know these the answers to these questions. Uh, first of all, who won the Super Bowl in 1992? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you sure about that? No, that's a guess, okay. Who won the Super Bowl last year? Denver Broncos. Okay, I think that is accurate. Who were the winners of the first Super Bowl? Green Bay Packers. Okay, an old man that knows the answer to that question, right? <laughs> uh, who's won the most Super Bowls? <laughs> New England and Pittsburgh won the most. How many Super Bowls have the Detroit Lions won? How many Super Bowls have the Detroit Lions played in? Oh, there you go. Changing veins a little bit here. 
some of the uh, advertisers uh, think that they're they're trying to win a victory by getting their commercials out there and and hopefully getting more people to buy their products. Uh, what's the cost for a thirty second commercial spot at the Super Bowl? Okay, keep going. I, I've heard two figures. One is five million. And the other one I heard was seven million. Doesn't matter. I'm not buying an ad for the church for that. Anyway. So at any rate, you know, don't worry too much if, if you couldn't answer many or any of those questions. I really don't think it's going to impact your life a whole lot this week or forever. But uh, I do want to draw your attention to some more memorable winners. We'll do a little quiz here with whom we are far more likely to be familiar and from whom we can learn an extremely valuable lesson in winning. You notice the title of the message tonight, The Winners Are. I'm not going to predict who's going to win the Super Bowl. But we can learn some lessons from these individuals about, about living and about winning. First one, uh, this, this winner won victory over mockers, and a, a huge animal gathering operation, and a world-destroying flood. Noah! Noah! By the way, we're kind of going chronologically through Scripture here, so that'll give you a little hint. This man won, won victory over idol, an idol-worshiping family in the other, on the other side of the Euphrates River in Ur, and also a victory over childlessness. Abraham, Abraham. So he had some failures along the way. This fellow, this fellow won victories over Pharaoh, the Egyptian army, the Red Sea, and wilderness wanderings. Moses, okay, good job. This fellow won victory over the Jordan River, the walls of Jericho, and enemies in Caden. Joshua. You guys got to get quicker to beat Marcia here. Marcia's racking up all the points. She's going to win the grand prize here in a minute. <laughs> okay. The, this winner won victory over the Philistines, Goliath, and Satan. David, David. This prophet... <laughs> This prophet won victory over the prophets of Baal, Ahab, and Jezebel. Elijah, prophet of God. Here's a more little one. Maybe it'll stump you a little bit. This prophet won victory over false prophets, over persecutors, at least according to tradition in Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, had his prophecies... He won victory in the, the wonderful fulfillment of his prophecies about the Messiah bearing our sins, dying for our transgressions, and the chastisement of our peace being upon him. Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Didn't get that one, Marcia. Oh, thank you. Good, good. Uh, Isaiah, another winner. Let's go over to the New Testament. This, this man won victory over fear, eventually, and failure, and denial of the Lord. Peter, Peter, 
he stumbled along the way, but eventually the Lord helped him to be victorious. This man won victory over self-righteousness and blasphemy against the Lord Jesus Christ, and later on, enemies and even executioners. Paul, the Apostle Paul, exactly. Now, good job. You did well. The rest of you tied Marcia in that quiz there. So, Marcia, rest of the church. Okay. So, um, sorry, I don't have a great prize for that. But it is wonderful that you, that you knew the, uh, the truth that, that is involved in, in the men that we talked about. I guess we should have had Deborah in there or Rahab in there to give some women an equal time or one of the ladies that went out to the, the tomb of the Lord Jesus. But all the Old Testament examples have one thing in common as spelled out in Hebrews chapter 11 that helped them to gain victory. Anybody know what it was? Faith. They all walked by faith. By faith, Noah built that ark and uh, continued to serve the Lord faithfully. By faith, uh, Abraham uh, even went to, to offer up Isaac when God told him to. Of course, God stopped him from doing that. By faith, Moses refused to uh, uh, be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose rather to identify with his people, people of God. All these, uh, all these folks characterized by faith. In the case of Isaiah and even Abraham, it also points out in Hebrews 11, they didn't necessarily gain the great victory down here in, in this life. Abraham uh, was a sojourner and a pilgrim the whole time. What did he live in? The whole time he's in, in his living in Canaan. Where did he live? Lived in a tent. He camped for, for all, all of his life after he got to Canaan, living in tents. His descendants eventually get the promised land, and Abraham will get to enjoy it one of these days as well. But they all walk by faith. And uh, we find that even Peter and Paul, although they're not found in the the list of Hebrews 11. They were also men who experienced great victories through their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith in God and the Lord Jesus is a powerful force and can be of great value in, in our lives as well, especially in giving us victory over the world and the forces of evil that stand against us as the people of God. Tonight, I want to direct your attention for a little bit to 1 John chapter 5. And look with me in particular at verses 4 and 5. We'll also be looking at some of the context there. Well, let's start out with 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And uh, we read some things about the victory that we can have through faith. It says in 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 4, for whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We find a number of things here about the victory we can have through faith. And first of all, we see the ones who can have victory. And according to this passage of Scripture, it's those who are born of God. 
Those who are born again. This ties right in with Pastor Mark's message from, from last Sunday night that, that spoke about uh, from John, John chapter 3, how we need to be born again. We need to be born of the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to do a regenerating, regenerating work in our, our heart and our life and make us the children of God, bring us into the family of God. And the, the, the ones that can have victory are those that know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been born again according to what we read in John chapter 3. And uh, we, we find that, that we also get some help when it comes to this in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, in verse 31, where John talks about his purpose for writing the Gospel of John, why he wrote about the miracles that he builds his Gospel around. He says, these, first of all, he says that if all the things that Jesus did were written down, that, that the all the books in the world couldn't contain all that Jesus did and the significance of it. Uh, but John says, these things I've written so that you might believe, you might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have eternal life. You might have everlasting life. So we find that the ones that have victory are, are those that are born of God. If you've in fact, if you're wondering about what this business is of being born of God, you know, the, the Bible's the greatest interpreter of the Bible. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You might say, well, what, what's it mean to be born of God? All you got to do is bump up to verse 1 of chapter 5 here in 1 John, and it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Who's the one that's born of God? The one who's got his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find the same parable down here in verse 5, where it says, Who is he who overcomes the world? He's the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, So it's faith in Christ that enables you and me to be born again, to have a miracle of God performed in our hearts, in our lives, that brings us into the family of God. So who are the ones that have victory? Those who know Christ as Savior. Those who are, are born again by the Spirit of God, we can be winners. We can have a life of victory. In fact, if you're here tonight and you know Christ is your Savior, you're already a victor. You're already a winner in the eyes of God. You've won the greatest thing of all. You've won eternal life. And it's not that you did anything to get it, but rather God gives it to us. Boy, that's the grand prize, isn't it? when he gives us eternal life and forgiveness of sin. Secondly, we see in this passage of Scripture uh, the opposition to be defeated. You know, who who are we going to have victory over? What are we going to have victory over? And here it says, whoever's born of God overcomes what? The world. We overcome the world. And when it talks about the world here, it's talking about the world system. Not talking about the planet that we live on, but rather it's the, the organized sinful system of this world that lies, according to what else we read here in chapter 5, it lies in the evil one. This world lies in the evil one. It, it's characterized by sin and devotion to the devil, and uh, we can have victory over that world system, victory over the cosmos. Uh, this world, according to chapter 3 and verse 13, hates Jesus. Back up just a, a chapter or two. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 13 says, Do not marvel, my brethren, 
If the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brethren abides in death. Don't, don't be surprised when you don't fit in. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. You know, if you stand up for life and against abortion, if you stand up for a biblical definition of marriage, which has been understood down through the, the, the pages of history for thousands of years as being between one man and one woman. If you stand up for that publicly today, what happens? They're ready to crucify you. They'll march against you. They'll call you a bigot. If you say anything about homosexuality being wrong, then you're a, a homophobe. The world hates you. Well, so don't be surprised at that. And in fact, Jesus said that the world stood against him, and if they hated him, uh, we shouldn't be surprised. The world doesn't know us, and the world hated our Savior before it hates us. So you know, it's still a place for us to stand up for who our Savior is. But don't be surprised when you take a stand for the Lord Jesus. And, and that's the other thing. If you stand up and you say there's only one way, and it's God's way, and it's Jesus, What's the world ready to do again? You are so narrow-minded. You know, that, that, that you just can't be that exclusive. Well, the Bible's that exclusive. And, and the Bible's also inclusive when it comes to salvation. Who can know Christ as Savior? Any who will trust Him can have the salvation He gives. But, but He's the only way. I love that Harry Ballback song. There's only one way, and it's God's way, and it's Jesus. That is not a popular message today. You know, people would rather say, well, there's many roads to God. You know, and people refer to God in different ways, and they're all talking about the same God. Well, I don't think so. In fact, our God is the God who left heaven behind, took upon himself full humanity, went to Calvary's cross so that we could be redeemed. Our God is seen embodied in all of His fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ. In, all, in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. What an amazing thing. The world doesn't want to hear that. You know, they, you say Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a wonderful prophet. But as soon as you stand up and say, He's the, he's the only Savior. Boy, the world doesn't want to hear that at all. And if you tell people the same thing the gospel says, that we do all sin. We are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And we need to say, people don't even want to hear that. They want to hear that, well, as long as you're sincere, just do the best that you can. Just believe. It doesn't matter what you believe or who you believe. Just be sincere in believing something. No, the Bible's pretty clear. Our faith needs to be centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the promise is, if, if we know Christ as Savior, we overcome the world. In the end, we will enjoy all the victories of having Christ as our Savior and God as our Heavenly Father. And what a wonderful privilege that is. We are, are told by Jesus that He overcame the world. In John 16, at the end of the Upper Room Discourse, tremendous passage of Scripture, from chapter 13 through 16 in John's gospel, preparing his disciples for the time when he would be taken from them 
he closes everything out. And he says, these things I've said to you, that in me you might have peace. And he warns them, in the world you will have tribulation. He says, be a good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. He faithfully accomplished the mission that he came here to perform. And, and eventually, he even overcame it in, in, in a greater form when he was raised from the dead after being crucified on Calvary's cross for you and for me. We're told in, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, that the opposition for us to, to defeat is the devil and the world. Uh, chapter 2, verse 13 says, I write to you, fathers, because you have, you have known him who's from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Who's the wicked one? Satan. And we've already overcome him. If you've been born of God and your face in Christ, you've already overcome the devil. Now, you may have to fight some battles with him. You know what? The war's already won. World's... Jesus won the war, and we're on the victory side. What a great, great thing that is! And uh, we find that we find that may our our victory look like the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He also battled Satan at the uh, at the temptation described in Matthew chapter four. Tempted in three different areas there, and every time he answered the temptation with "It is written," "It is written," "It is written." You want to overcome Satan's temptation? Be aware of what is written. Be aware of what it says in the Word of God. And chapter 4, first four verses of that chapter indicates that we also overcome the spirits who don't confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, the spirit of Antichrist. So we, we win the victory. That's the forces we battle against. The world, the flesh, we don't mention, but we see that elsewhere outside of 1 John. And actually, in 1 John 1, it tells us we still have a sin nature. And if we say we don't have a sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We battle the world, we battle the flesh, and we battle the devil. And good news, in Jesus, we have the victory. We've already won the ultimate victory. Uh, One of these days, our flesh is going to disappear. Won't that be good? No more sin nature when we see Jesus face to face. The world's going to pass away. Don't love the world or the things in the world because the world is passing away with all the lusts and the desires of this world. Don't, don't live for the world. It's passing away. And, and what about the devil? What's going to happen to him? He's going to be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, released for a short time, and then what? He's going to lead a rebellion against the Lord, and he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. How long? Ever and ever ever. Victory's won, folks. We're on the victory side. What a great thrill that is. We find something here in this passage here about the nature of our victory. It uses that word uh, overcome. Overcome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We, we also see that word overcome show up in the book of Revelation, and we see it show up in a few other places in, in the New Testament. And it's, it's an interesting term. It comes from the Greek word nikao, 
And that, that term, actually, if we anglicize it a little bit, is Nike. N-I-K-E. Familiar? N-I-K-E. And, and Nike was the winged, the Greek winged goddess of victory. And that had to do with victory in war or in Olympic or athletic competition. Nike was the, the, the goddess of victory. The Roman equivalent for Nike was Victoria. See a little connection there? Uh, and we find that, I, I really hope that the next time you see the Nike swoosh, instead of thinking about Michael Jordan, you think of the fact that we're overcomers in Christ. Because that's, that's the word here, Nike. He who uh, overcomes, that, that's having victory. And uh, certainly it's not victory through the winged goddess of the Greeks, but we find Jesus is our God of victory. He has overcome the world. In Him we can overcome the world. And let me, let me give you a newsflash here this evening. We are talking here about victory in war. We're not talking about playing games. The Christian life is a battle. Living for Jesus in this world, continuing to carry our sin nature, with the devil still out of the, the bottomless pit and still out of hell, is a, is a war. Satan is, is firmly pitched against our God and against our Savior. He, he so wants to destroy God and the works of God and the people of God that he instigated the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he and his demons in hell, well, they're not in hell yet. Uh, he and his demons were all headed for hell. They danced in joy as they were nailing Jesus to that cross. Little did they realize that as Jesus is nailed to that cross, that their doom was being sealed and the victory was being won for you and me. Something you, need, you and I need to know. There is a conspiracy. Now, I'm not talking about the Illuminati. I'm not talking about any of that kind of stuff. There is a conspiracy going on and the end result of that conspiracy is to destroy you and destroy me. The devil wants to discourage us. He wants to defeat us. He does not want us to live for God. He wants to ruin our... First of all, he wants to keep people from trusting Christ and see those people go to hell. When we've already trusted Christ as Savior, he can't do anything to take that away from us, but he can sure ruin our testimony. And he can still sure steal our joy. And he's determined to do that. There is a pitched battle against us. Remember what Paul says in Ephesians 6? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a battle going on against us. You say, I, I don't understand why so many times things seem to be, to be going against me in my life. And we got God doing a lot for us, blessing us tremendously. But sometimes we get all kind of difficulties that come against us as well. And a lot of that's because the devil would love to destroy us. He really would. We're involved in a war. Which side are you on? If we've trusted Christ as Savior, we're on God's side. Who's on the Lord's side? 
We are on the Lord's side by His grace divine. And we'll win the victory along with Him. But the, the battle goes on. And this term uh, speaks about the, the fact that we are involved in battles and struggles. The war's already won, but we got battles to fight down here. And, and what does defeat look like? Well, defeat looks like Adam and Eve doubting God and eating that forbidden fruit. They doubted God, doubted God's word. Defeat looks like Abraham doubting God and lying and saying Sarah was his sister instead of his wife. Defeat looks like David lusting after Bathsheba and then lying to try to cover up his sin and even having murder committed. He lost that battle, didn't he? Lost that battle. He gave cause for the enemies of God to blaspheme. Defeat looks like Peter being fearful among the, the crowd around the, the fire in the high priest's courtyard and denying the Savior three times. That's, that's defeat. That's what it looks like. Defeat is, is Thomas after the crucifixion being told about the resurrection. What's he say? I don't believe it. He's doubting. And he says, I won't believe unless I can put my fingers in the nail prints in his body and put my hand into the, the spear wound in his side. Defeat looks like doubting. Defeat looks like disobedience. What does victory look like? Well, verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. What's, what does victory look like? It it's loving. It's loving God and, and loving God's people. That's what victory looks like. We find that victory involves loving other believers. Verse 2 carries on the same theme. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. What's victory look like? It's walking in obedience to God doing what God tells us to do, not doing what God tells us not to do. That's victory, being faithful to God, trusting God, uh, demonstrating our trust by obeying God. And it also says something to us about those, these commandments. It says, for this is the love of God. If you really love God, here's how you show it. We keep his commandments. And here's another great truth. And his commandments are not what? They're not burdensome. It's not all that bad to live for God. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. My, my yoke's easy and my burden is light. Yeah, there, there's difficulties that we run into like from the devil and the world and the flesh when we live for Christ and stand for God. But really, what do you think about living for Christ? What do you think about walking in obedience to him? How, how's that been in your life? Been all right? Is it, is it a joy to live for Christ? You know, we sing that song. There's joy in serving Jesus. Is there? Man, there really is. The greatest joy you can have. Jesus said, these things I, I've said to you so that in me you will have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Joy in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what victory looks like. 
You know, Christians shouldn't be walking around with the whole attitude, oh, it's just so hard to live for the Lord. It's just so, so terrible to have to come out and, and get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and sing songs of praise to God. It's such a terrible thing to have to obey God. That's not the kind of life God wants us to have as his people. I don't know about you, but I, en- I enjoy my life. You enjoy your life. I hope you do. I love living for Christ. I love getting together with God's people, the greatest people in the world, and and working with God's people. It's a joyful thing. That's a life of victory. When we can go through life with the, the joy that the Lord wants us to have. The key to victory is personal faith. Here it is, verse 4. Whoever's born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith. You want victory against that one that wants to destroy you? You want victory over the devil? You want victory over the world? You want victory over your own flesh? Here it is. Here's the victory. Our faith. That's rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you go back to Ephesians chapter 6, and you've got the armor of God. And what's our shield? The shield of faith. What's so great about the shield of faith? By it, we, we see quench the what? The fiery darts of the devil. And the devil shoots all kind, of, all kind of darts at us. If we just keep our faith up, those, doubt, those darts of doubt and those, those, those darts of diso, uh, discouragement, they can't get through because we just keep trusting God. I, I love Job. Job says after he's got all the things that happened to him, the likes of which we will never see in this life. Ten children die in a tornado at one time. We'll never experience that. It's bad enough when you lose one child. Job lost 10 of his grown children. But you know what Job says? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. Oh, God, help me to have the kind of faith like Job had there. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord Jesus himself, even as he endured the cross... He entrusted himself to the Heavenly Father and, and trusted the Heavenly Father completely. The, the key to victory is our faith. Over in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we read over there about the devil uh, trying to bring havoc into the lives of the believers of the tribulation period. And we know that the believers in the tribulation period uh, are, are going to have it pretty tough. In fact, they're going to put their lives on the line in order to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and live for Him. Thank the Lord if we know Christ now, we're going to be taken out of here at the rapture before the tribulation period begins. But there will be people that come to know the Lord after the tribulation period starts. It's going to be very difficult for them to, to battle the Antichrist and battle the devil and battle the world system that's really set against them during that time, how can they possibly be victorious? Oh, here it is. In verse 11 of Revelation 12, And they overcame him, 
And the hymn it's talking about there is pointing back to Satan, who was cast from heaven at the middle of the tribulation period. They overcame him. They overcame Satan, number one, by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus gives the victory. And then here's the next part. By the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. How are they going to win victory? How can we win victory against odds that aren't quite as bad as those of the believers in the tribulation period? The blood of the Lamb, that's taken care of. Jesus did that already. He shed his blood for us so that we could be victorious. We can keep trust in him. But also by the word of our testimony. When you give a testimony, what do you tell people? You give a testimony, what do you tell people? We had, uh, we've had some folks meet with the deacons the last couple of Sundays to give their testimony before they could be baptized or come into the church membership. How they came to know Christ, how they came to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we ought to put it the other way, how God drew them to himself. That's what our testimony is. And here it says they overcame the devil by, number one, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what Christ does. And by the word of their testimony. They continued to testify to the saving faith in Christ they had experienced and the faith in Christ they continued to have even in the dark days of the tribulation period. And we're also told here that because they had this kind of faith in Christ, what was their attitude towards life and death? Or what will be, that we're looking future here, what will be their attitude towards life and death? They know they have eternal life, and so they do not love their lives down here to the death. They're willing to die for Jesus. Why? Because they trust him. So there's the key to victory. Just keep trust to the Lord. You want to be a winner? Trust the Lord no matter what. Uh, you want to pray for growth in your Christian life? One of the things you do, Lord, keep me trusting you. Keep me relying upon you. Give me the victory that I have by continuing to trust you. We find also it spells out here some, some rewards for victory over in the book of Revelation. If you want to turn over to chapter 2 and 3 in Revelation, and we'll just go through these real quickly. Now Christ addresses the seven churches there in the book of Revelation. And he has, some, he has some warnings for some of the, the churches, but he also has some words of encouragement for those who are overcomers. Well, who are, the word, who are the ones that are overcomers? They're the ones who have a genuine faith in Christ. They really know Christ as Savior. So in the tribulation, we find that in Revelation 2 and 3, it's talking particularly to the seven churches. Of the Laodicea doesn't get a whole lot promised to them. Uh, but we can also make application for ourselves, for all believers. These are, are rewards we can have for knowing Christ as Savior. And in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What's that mean? If we know Christ, we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. We're going to have eternal life. We'll keep eating from the tree of life, and we'll be in the paradise of God. We'll be with Jesus. 
what he promised that thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. We're going there. We're going there. You know, Michigan is paradise, right? Except in February. And people to get out of the paradise of Michigan in February sometimes head to Florida thinking that's paradise. It's warmer down there. But you know where paradise really is? where the Lord is when we get to go to be with him forever and ever and ever Revelation 2.11 says he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death you know what the second death is that's the death of the soul being separated from God forever uh, in the lake of fire Will, will you and I be hit by the first death if the Lord tarries in fact, we're being hit by it right now. Whether you know it or not, you're dying. And so am I. Some of us are further down that road than others. Some of us may be thinking we're not that far down the road, but we might be surprised. You know, only the Lord knows the number of days we're going to have down here. And he hasn't guaranteed us all 95 years. Uh, some of us step out of this world a whole lot quicker than what maybe we think we're going to. But the good news is, yeah, the first death's there, but that's overcome as well through what Jesus did on the cross for us and, and rising again the third day. And, and as, in, as, as in Adam all die, what's it say in 1 Corinthians 15? As in Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. First of all, those who are Christ at his coming. That's us. That's us. What a great thrill. Revelation 2.17 he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Man, we'll have a great relationship with the Lord in glory. Uh, spend special time with him, breaking bread with the Lord. And he says, I'll give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. The white stone was what was used in jury trials back in those days. And and, and the black stone, if it came up, meant somebody was going to be condemned. If the white stone came up, that meant they're going to be released. And guess what God's verdict is for you and me? We're going to be released. And be, because we're going to be uh, let go because somebody else has already paid our penalty. All of us are guilty, right? But thank God Jesus has taken care of our guilt and our penalty that we, we suffer revelation 2 26 he overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him i'll give power over the nations you know what you and i are going to do in eternity if you're looking forward to being in a rocking chair on a cloud strumming a guitar or a harp all day long sorry uh, rest in glory doesn't mean inactivity, doesn't mean doing nothing, which you know what, I'm relieved to hear that. You would go nuts, and so would I. When God put Adam and Eve in paradise in the Garden of Eden, he had plenty for them to do, didn't he? And he's going to have plenty for you and me to do. And part of it involves ruling and reigning with Christ. We're going to have responsibilities, and we're going to have privileges to serve our Lord. I'll just give you a few other scripture passages here. You can look them up yourself. Revelation 3, 5. Talks about he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I'll not blot his name from the book of life. Good news. 
Our name's written in the book in the blood of Christ, and it'll never be blotted out of there. And, and he'll confess our name before the Father and before the angels. Uh, Revelation 3.12, he who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in my temple of my God. And he'll, he shall go out no more. We'll have our, our place to be right with the Lord himself. And he says, I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. You know, this is kind of appropriate for this evening. If you watch any of the Super Bowl, what will you see a lot of the people wearing there? They'll be wearing their the garb of their particular team, sweatshirts and hats. And, and sometimes they, they write the names on the, you know, they take the shirts off and they get a bunch of guys there and they write the letters on and stuff like that. Hey, God's going to have his name on us. We're going to be marked by his. And, and you know what? That, that's a whole lot better than wearing a, a U of M t-shirt or a, a Spartan sweatshirt or a Detroit Lion or Detroit Tiger hat. Or even a Pittsburgh Steeler jacket. Or an Iowa Hawkeye sweatshirt. Or a world champion Chicago Cubs ball cap. You know, you don't get to say that more than every hundred years or so. But better than any of those things. Sometimes people might wonder, well, what's that talking about? Wearing God's name, having his name on us, identifying with him. Boy, we sure see it today, don't we? People wearing the garb of the particular team that's their team well here's something better God puts his name on us we belong to him if we know Christ as our savior we're marked out as being God's and even better than that we're written on his hand too as belonging to him just a couple other verses verse 21 of Revelation chapter 3 to him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne rule and reign with Christ Revelation 21, 7. He who overcomes, that's the believer in Christ, shall inherit all things. And I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. And how long does that last? Forever and ever and ever. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you belong to him? Are you trusting in him? You've already won. You know, it doesn't matter a whole lot in the scheme of eternity who wins a football game. Tell you what does mean something for eternity. Are we overcomers? Have we won the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we trusting in Him? And if we have, what a glorious thing that is. And what do you do? If God's put you on the victory side, we just say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Help people to see which side I'm on. May it show up in every aspect of our lives whose side we're on, who we belong to. I like the the story of the fellow that was stone deaf. He couldn't hear a thing. All the hearing-assisted stuff they had in the church didn't help one little bit. But every Sunday he got up and, and went to church faithfully. Couldn't hear the music, couldn't hear the preacher. And somebody said to him, why, why do you go? You can't hear the music, can't hear the preacher, can't hear when people talk to you. Why do you go? His statement was, 
I just want people to know which side I'm on. I want people to know whose side I'm on. Well, I hope you want people to know whose side you're on. And it's the overcoming side, the victorious side, the Jesus side. So we get on because of God's grace through the faith that the Lord enables us to express towards him. Let's stand together and close in prayer tonight. Lord, we thank you this evening just for the chance to gather together and let people know whose side we're on. What an encouraging thing it is to me to look out and see uh, other people that are on the same side. We're on your side. We belong to you. Uh, we belong to you because you've called us to yourself. God, may the world see that in the way that we live our lives before you, before others. And Father, may we go out of this place tonight of being of good cheer, knowing that even through, and though in this world we will face tribulation and pressure and battles and skirmishes, and we've got an evil one who wants to destroy us, that we are on the victory side. Jesus has won the victory for us. And even though we fight some battles now and then, Christ has already won the war. Lord, help us to walk out of here tonight with a, a spirit of appreciation for what the Lord's done for us, and Lord, also a commitment to let people know whose side we're on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.